Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast that delivers cutting-edge food as medicine solutions for optimal health. Allie Miller is a nutrition expert sought up by the media and America's top medical institutes for her revolutionary functional medicine interventions. From disease treatment to prevention, every episode will empower you with ways to put yourself back in control of your health. Please note, the topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now welcome, Integrative Dietitians Allie Miller and her co-host Becky Yu. Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast. You are joining us for episode 274, H. pylori and upper gut drama. So H. pylori is a very common infection. It's estimated to impact around 30 to 40% of people in the U.S. and up to 50% of the global population. And although it's common, this infection can really wreak serious havoc on our health, driving peptic ulcers as well as progression to even stomach cancer. So in today's topic, we are going to cover diagnosis and conventional treatment as well as functional medicine approaches, supplements, and food as medicine solutions to H. pylori. Yes. So today's episode will certainly be something that you'll want to forward to a family member or friend or maybe two just based on how common this condition is. And I can't say enough as a medical provider how shocking it is to me how many patients of mine are treated for H. pylori. They tested positive for infection, but then they don't have a Mm follow-up test to confirm that they're negative. So the treatment often is not successful. Uh, So we want to always ensure that we're confirming eradication or complete removal with a negative test following a positive test and ensuring that if they are blasted with that triple antibiotic therapy that they do get the clinical outcomes and today we'll talk to you about how you don't have to totally hit your gut with an atom bomb of triple antibiotic therapy and PPI but you can do it naturally and you can get successful clinical outcomes. Yes and H. pylori is often one of these that recurs right so even if you got a negative test if symptoms start to come back and you're not doing anything proactive to prevent a recurrence, that's where we can get into a lot of trouble as well. Yeah. So we'll absolutely talk about what makes you susceptible to infection Mm -hmm. as well as resolving the root cause of what drove you there in the first place. All right. Before we do that, let's just get into some brief updates from us. Yes. So if you've heard from our nasally tone, both (laughs) Becky and I... You sound great. (laughs) Yes. We're doing awesome uh, recording this live today. We usually pre-record, but we had to miss last week recording because I was hit likely with the Omicron or... 2.0, 3.0, whatever version (laughs) variant of coronavirus that's going around these days. So I have uh, now earned my annual badge of natural immunity, and I'm sure we will be doing an entire podcast episode on this topic. Um, A lot of you, I've kind of leaked it just a little bit, but we're keeping it a little bit DL as well because of all the craziness in the world with testing and households and schools and all that jazz. Uh, We did not test. I just know from the symptoms that were quite severe what was going on in my body. And uh, I know you have all a lot of questions about, I thought that immunity was supposed to last forever. How could that be happening? Um, What was different with Omicron than the prior Delta that uh, was likely the version that I was infected with prior, or maybe even the prior preceding that Delta, um, and uh, how were symptoms differently, how did we address this in the household, and all of that jazz. So stay tuned. We will be addressing that, but it hit Becky as well, so that's why we got the aftermath 
congestion. Uh, so a lot of nasal spray and hygiene has been going on with both of us. And uh, I've brought in that herbal immune pill from uh-huh. our line, which yeah. we'll talk about yeah, today yeah. for H. pylori, but also getting those essential oils up in the upper nasal gastric area, really supportive of just getting that full-on clearance from the residual buildup. And of course, salantiox, salantiox, salantiox. Yep. Yep, and I've heard that Omicron for most people tends to hit like the back of the throat versus and, and more upper lung versus like deep lung, like the OG COVID strain. So that herbal immune throughout the whole process, yes. I think super important. But we're here. We've made it through. We've gotten a yes. a upgrade to our uh, natural immunity, if you will. Layer it upgrade. Layer it on. Yeah. <laughs> boop, 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 boop. <laughs> Rock and roll. Let's keep living life. All right. right, So updates. Uh, We have our 12-week food as medicine virtual ketosis meal plan coming out. Uh, We are right now in pre-sale for just $36. You will get 12 weeks and these kind of trickle into your inbox weekly. If you purchase it in the pre-sale, you'll be getting it every Friday. Otherwise, you'll just get your first week the day of purchase and then a week following and so forth. But each week you will get a weekly challenge, a grocery list, food as medicine recipes. Uh, Some of you have asked, are these repurposed from the anti-anxiety diet book or the naturally nourished cookbook? I will say about 60% of the recipes in this 12-week meal plan are completely novel, new, um, and everything is so exciting as far as the flavor combinations we're working with. We're doing a riff on our keto cheddar biscuits right now, a sun-dried tomato keto cheddar biscuit. Uh, I have a chocolate pumpkin zucchini muffin that I just plugged into week one, which is fabulous with a couple slices of bacon. Uh, Philly cheesesteak stuffed peppers also featuring in that week one, which I still have not brought dairy back. I'm on the heels of my 10-day detox, but uh, I made it prior and it was amazing. And um, that's going to definitely be probably next week on my family's menu. Uh, But we're really excited to share this. A great way for you to stay motivated, to provide you tips on prep and execution, and just a fantastic way to stay on track and inspired with fresh ideas, time-saving hacks, and of course, food as medicine throughout the entire first three months of the new year to really keep you rock and roll. And technically, this comes out January 21st, so this will carry you all the way through spring break, friends. Yes, amazing. And um, all of the recipes are contained like within your week, so you don't have to go elsewhere like on the blog or reference a book to find them. And each week is going to come with a comprehensive grocery list, which has been a big ask so really drilled down to like the exact amount of you know how many bell peppers or how much cream cheese or what have you that you'll need for that week and we've tried to be really intentional with repurposing those ingredients you're not left with like a whole bunch of leftover stuff um, as well and there are a lot of upgrades kind of for the whole family where you can use kind of a metabolic flexibility point if you will to add sweet potatoes or butternut squash to a meal or dial it up so that your kids will enjoy. Absolutely. So we're super stoked. This is less than a latte per week for you to get all of this goodness weekly delivered in your inbox so that you can create food as medicine for your entire family. Uh, Next update we have is our women's wellness retreat. What, what? So March 25th through 27th, we sold through all of the pre-sale spots. So when you're listening to this, if not up today, we're hoping that we will get some variants up um, uh, of the types of rooms that you can book. Uh, Becky and I will be meeting that 
about that after we record, but for certain, by the end of this week, you will be able to book your actual selected room. Um, so we have breakdowns of like private king room with a private bath, and that's called the VIP besties. We have a fab four pack of two queen beds with a double vanity private bath. We have team player options, which would be the more affordable options, as well as a six pack and shared king and so forth. Um, the idea is that you do book with a girlfriend or a couple friends. Uh, we have 28 spots for women to join us in addition to our team and our volunteers on staff. And we do want to make sure that we're really able to maximize space. This is 9,000 square foot home. So there's, there's a lot of space. Of space. <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to be on top of each other, but we will be likely bed sharing. So grab your bestie and make sure you've gone over to book at AllieMillerRD.com. Um, if you search the word retreat, it should come up. And your cost of this ranges from $1,500 to $2,000 a person. This is all inclusive. So this is the entire workshop. So from check-in on Friday in the late afternoon all the way through checkout in the afternoon on Sunday and um, two nights stay, uh, meals throughout, lectures, interactive components of workshop and materials. There'll be daily movement. There'll be an off-site tour to a local olive uh, farm where we will taste olive oils and charcuterie, and you will be able to have a various form of luxury accommodations. Um, we're gonna have live music in the welcoming. We're doing a bluegrass uh, band with Texas barbecue, and there'll be over six hours of me lecturing, plus a lot of intimate time for group breakouts that was our biggest feedback we received from our wellness workshop was oh my goodness this was so enriching to be in a room of other like-minded women I just want to like soak in and learn what each other does and really feel strong in my fortitude and fluidity and uh, this is something that a lot of us are lacking in our own personal maybe areas or pockets uh, maybe we've been shunned from a holiday gathering and we still have some open wounds we need to heal together uh, but this will definitely be a place for medical autonomy and freedom and fortitude and growth of going in the new year and really grabbing it by the horn and feeling the best we can in our bodies as well as empowering our entire households. Yes, it is going to be magical and we can't wait for you to join us. All right. Last thing is a message from Fond Bone Broth, who is our sponsor for today's ad, and then we will talk all things H. pylori. So y'all know that I love Fond Bone Broth. They are truly like your sous chef in a jar. And let me tell you, when I had this phase of the Rona, just like the last phase, I was sipping on that good stuff. I had probably two jars daily of Fond Bone Broth. And, you know, bone broth is such a great expectorant with the N-acetylcysteine. Uh, we get that breakup of mucus and phlegm and also a boost to our white blood cells which help in our body's immunological response to fight against infection. Um, lucky was I that I was able to receive prior to the infection the Cantonada, I think that's the way you say it, Cantonada. Yeah, um, and sure. this is their new flavor. It's black Spanish radish, garlic, and oregano. So great antiviral support all right there. Um, the sulfur contained in the garlic, really therapeutic and also delightfully savory. Um, this wellness superstar was definitely something that I sipped on for four days in a row. And they actually produced this uh, to support a customer with Candida back in their farmer's 
market days. Uh, so the cantonata would also be a great flavor for H. pylori mm-hmm. infection, as we'll talk about the benefits of garlic and oregano in today's food is medicine section. And that's what I really love about Fond Bone Broth. They are sustainable in the sense of how they select their produce growers from local, regional, organic growers. They use all free-range chickens or grass-fed beef when they're doing their, of course, animal selection for their products for the bones. Um, and they use this snout-to-tail philosophy in the sense that they're using chicken feet and backs. So they're using the whole animal and honoring its life cycle as well as selecting from sustainable sourcing and quality, nutritional, dense sourcing. And then they take it next level and make it functional. So not only are the flavor profiles delightful, um, but they also combine together to have therapeutic outcomes. So my other favorites are the Spring Clean, which is the yellow onion, lemon, and radish, the Youth Tonic with shiitake, sage, and shallot, and the Conductor with butternut squash, chipotle, and rosemary. When you go on over to fondbonebroth.com slash AllieMillerRD, so put that in at the URL, backslash AllieMillerRD after fondbonebroth.com, you will go to my landing page. Uh, you'll see probably a picture of my face and my advocacy for the brand. And when you shop through there, that gives you a vote for the Naturally Nourished podcast. And you can use the code AllieMillerRD at checkout and save 15% off your first order. Again, that's fondbonebroth.com slash AllieMillerRD. Yes, I ran through like my whole backstock of fond during this lovely illness. So I'm going to be re-upping probably today and try that new one. Yeah, my parents had just left. Uh, literally, I dropped them at the airport and that evening I got hit pretty hard. Mm-hmm. And um, I was like, oh man. And so right away I just shipped them an eight pack of fond. Yeah. I was yeah. like, as a as a gift in case I, uh-huh. you know, extended uh-huh. this delight to, to your body. Yep. Here is some bone broth. Yep. But so far, they've been just fine. And Becky and I are sipping on some black tea with uh, lemon slices in here. But I'm thinking that we probably should have done bone broth because I'm, I'm hearing, I apologize again for the acoustics or <laughs> the sound of our delightful congestion mucus phlegm. We're doing our best. And uh, next week, we should be smooth sailing and rock and roll. Yep. There's no amount of editing that Brady can do to make our voices sound better, unfortunately. It brings out my Wisconsin, <laughs> yeah. my yeah. nasal Wisconsin Midwest sound. Yep. Yeah. All right, let's get into it. Um, so let's talk H. pylori. We kind of hit on the prevalence piece of the puzzle, that like 30 to 40%, but let's hit again prevalence and, and what exactly it is. Yes, so helio, uh, helicobacter pylori is the full name for H. pylori, and it was previously known as campylobacter pylori. It is a gram-negative microaerophilic spiral bacterium and it's usually found in the stomach. So this helical shape is what has thought to have evolved in order to penetrate the mucosal lining of the stomach and thereby establishing an infection or making it difficult for the body to rid the infection. And yes, infection rates are very common. Um, No discrepancy from men and women for what we've seen in um, population studies. Uh, We do see prevalence uh, to be greater in those that are older, but you can get infected with youth and it may just be that older means more cumulative Mm -hmm. years of potential infection. Um, An estimated about 50% of world population is infected with it and that's 3 billion people. Uh, The concern with H. pylori other than um, other forms of pathogens and gut bacteria is that this one is really prone towards driving gastric cancer. So it often drives ulceration as it kind of gets into that mucosal area. And the, the again, structure of this bacteria can be quite um, 
disruptive to the lining of the stomach and this can create ulcers and then these ulcers or open wounds can create bleeding and this can create of course severe inflammation malnutrition and um, we see upwards of eight times increased risk of stomach or gastric cancer which is pretty serious quite um and so these ulcers can be experienced as you know nausea as kind of a first early symptom too um, which often goes unrecognized or just like, you know, excessive belching, I think would be something that someone's like, hmm, this is weird, but not necessarily knowing that it's an infection. Right. Um, let's hit on the other symptoms and what to look for. Yeah. So burning or aching in the abdomen is common or upper intestines even. Um, a pain often in the abdomen will get worse when the stomach is empty with H. pylori. Mm-hmm. And you can see nausea. We can even see uh, vomiting. Heartburn can be uh, a big driver of heartburn. So if you're dealing with chronic heartburn, instead of just going on that PPI, I would highly advise getting tested for H. pylori. And, you know, when we're getting an endoscopy, that's a great way to screen for the severity of infection. And we'll get there in a moment when we talk diagnostics. Uh, Loss of appetite, loss of weight. We can see frequent burping burping or dyspepsia, bloating or distension. Uh, And then we can see because of the ulcerations and that internal bleed, tarry, dark stool. Mm -hmm. So that's another indicator to watch for. And then, of course, if diagnosed with stomach cancer, that can often be the why. Sure. Um, and it's super contagious, right? Yes. Like, especially within the household, this is a big one. Like, if you have it, you likely want your partner to get tested or, or just go through treatment as well. Yes. So this is contagious in the form of kissing and oral sex, but also even germs that can live like on um, utensils. So even if sharing food with your child, mm-hmm. I mean, Stella and I are like, Stella's pretty like kissy, you know, and so oh, yeah. she'll, she'll like lay on top of my face and <laughs> um, say long kiss ever and so I mean I'm pretty sure that although we're not of course swapping tongues or anything like that that she's get she would be someone that would be like in a tight contagious um, environment and so there was a study actually done by the World uh, Journal of Gastroenterology in 2008 and it was called H. pylori treatment for the patient only or the whole family and they came to the conclusion that um, it would be important that all family members of H. pylori positive individuals to be at least a assessed or to be preemptively treated and maybe just tested following treatment to confirm negative. Um, And I think, you know, if you're going through a natural functional medicine gut cleanse, as we've talked about with candida Mm -hmm. or dysbiosis, the fact that we share flora with our partner, you know, um, in interchange through intercourse, that it would be really important to have your partner go along with you with this cleanse just to make sure you're not passing it back and forth or they're holding it dormant and then reinfecting you following all the both financial investment and the discipline and the time because this is a six-week cleanse and we'll talk about how it's different than the beat the bloat cleanse, but you can kind of conceptualize it Mm -hmm. in many ways comparable to a dysbiotic cleanse. Yep. Um, And so one big risk factor is uh, based on food preparation and sanitization. Um, But we also think of, you know, the role of stress and our stomach acidity as kind of setting us up for this potential infection. Yes. And really interesting um, in the world of pandemic, you know, I've talked a couple times now on the podcast about increased ulcerations with stress and more patients. And Becky and I have both said, right, like the the Mm -hmm. gastritis has been totally on the rise. And I think it's kind of a two-part, both because of excessive sterility, like people using too much of the Clorox bleach wipes or, you know, really too excessive amounts of disinfectants that they've sterilized their 
protective microbiome and are more at risk because H. pylori is super common. You know, I mean, it's found in our food, in our water. Like I said, it could even be living on utensils shared with others. It's in seawater. So if you're swimming in um, various areas where water's getting up your nose and mouth because you're falling off a jet ski or something like that, that could be prone towards infection. And it's equally found in vegetable and animal products. Um, so I think, you know, both excessive disinfecting or eating unclean, of course, like street food and mm -hmm. things like that that aren't sanitary would be risk factors. But then just stress alone, aside from the disinfectant component, stress alone is going to alter our pH. So often we'll see that our body becomes uh, more alkaline, less acidic in the stomach pouch at least, maybe not systemically in the blood, but in our stomach, we actually buffer our stomach acidity at times of stress and we have a suppressed amount of digestive enzymes. We only make about a quarter of the amount of our digestive enzymes when we're under a high mental emotional stress state because we're in that sympathetic fight or flight mode, not the parasympathetic rest, digest, metabolize, all of the balance stuff. And so stress by altering our pH makes us susceptible because our gastric acid is actually a major function of our immune system. Mm -hmm. So we know H. pylori and other bacteria like E. coli can really wreak havoc in the gut when there's a lack of gastric acid, especially if that's compounded with a depleted gut flora or a lack of probiotic diversity, which again, that could be from the excessive disinfectants mm -hmm. used, or that could be from stress alone as well, because stress also sterilizes the microbiome. So we've seen in clinical data that someone who's highly stressed will have less digestive enzymes, a higher pH or lower acidity in the stomach, and then also will have lower diversity of gut flora. And that's important because the beneficial flora is vital for not just optimal digestion, but also to actually support that GALT, that gut-associated lymphatic tissue, which is our total body immunity, and also protect us from disease and have competitive inhibition against infection. Totally. And then the use of you know acid-suppressing drugs is also really problematic. And often these PPIs are prescribed as part of the course of treatment for H. pylori, but if you're on them prior, I think they could actually set you up for infection. Totally. And so, you know, what happens when you message your doctor over the last couple of years and say, oh, I got this like nausea and this burning sensation. Mm -hmm. I'm burping all the time. Most of them will just put you on Nexium or uh -huh, Protonics right. or say, hey, take Pepto or Tums. Um, and really what you need to be advocating for is assessment. Mm -hmm. um, so you've mentioned the C word, not COVID, but cancer, the other C word. Um, yeah. And I think this is where it's really important to emphasize um, testing because we want to know that, um, you know, this infection is present. We also want to make sure it's removed. So testing and then follow-up testing. Yes. So in a conventional state, uh, testing will be done most commonly as a stool test actually, but this is not very common. This is if advocated for. Mm -hmm. A stool test is the most affordable option and this is going to look at an antigen or a protein from H. pylori infection in your stool. So it'd be an H. pylori stool antigen test and you can request this. This can be done through like LabCorp or, you know, any of the commonplace labs out there can offer this stool test. And your doctor might be able to leave this for a nurse's visit pickup 
and you grab it, you test it, and then they shoot you an email or put a note in the portal whether you are positive or negative. Now, you could get a false negative if you are using a PPI drug. Um, so, you know, any of these proton pump inhibitors or Pepto-Bismol, these, these buffers, if you will, can interfere with the accuracy, as can, of course, current antibiotic use. So you'd want to be off the PPI drugs or the acid buffers for at least one to two weeks prior to testing your stool and same time frame with antibiotics at least mm -hmm. two weeks off prior to testing to see if that is present and it was just dormant. Okay, and then there's a breath test we can do as well, which is a little more involved typically. Yeah, and this was actually the first form that I was exposed to as far as testing. I believe that most uh, physicians back in like the early 2000s or mid 2000s, I guess before the 2015 world passed over, um, breath test was really the more common place for like a GP to mm -hmm. test. But again, really only after severe ulcerations or really trying to get to the root of maybe this person was on two different PPIs or maxed out on dosage and still not getting reprieve. Um, with a breath test, you actually swallow, generally you drink a liquid um, that has tagged carbon molecules and you breathe in a bag first, then you drink the liquid and then you breathe in a bag after a certain time lapse has passed and if you have an H. pylori infection carbon is released when the solution is broken down in your stomach um, so your body absorbs the carbon and expels it when you exhale and when you exhale into the bag your doctor is able to test for that positive elevated amount and that would be the way to assess for H. pylori as well now again same thing can't take the acid buffers or the antibiotics for at least that couple week window before you would do the breath test um, but that one can can be pretty cost comparative and for some people easier because it's done during the doctor's visit versus a take-home kit sure. which can have lower compliance of actually collecting and shipping in. Right. And then you mentioned a scope as well as another way um, to assess. Yes, and this would be the most accurate. And now, honestly, I see this scope as the most common place. Right. I think most GI docs now, just when they're doing an endoscopy, which an upper endoscopy, you know, they're putting a camera, of course, um, through the mouth, and that goes down, um, in down the esophagus into the stomach and duodenum. And so through your throat, um, we're able to see irregularities in the upper digestive tract. Um, they do a biopsy on tissues often, and that's where they'll do a tissue biopsy for H. pylori. If you're getting an, an upper and lower endoscopy, I would advocate and ask for an H. pylori biopsy Absolutely, for yeah. sure, just in case, because if they're doing that and going through that invasive of a procedure, you want to know for sure. Um, but this is often where they'll actually be able to then stage and see severity of ulceration, whereas otherwise just the positive H. pylori, we don't really know what level of stomach tissue um, irritation is going on, if there's any active bleeding, and even if there's risk for like Barrett's esophagitis, which is a risk for esophageal cancer. Sure. Um, and, and before going there, let's talk about what we can test for on a functional level because the scope, yes. obviously, you have to be sedated for. Yes. It's pretty invasive. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, ideally, prevention is always key, right? So we don't want to get to that level of severity of nausea or stomach pain that we're waiting on a scope. Uh, generally, I will do a stool test. Uh, this is, you know, just over $100 really to look at an H. pylori antigen in the stool. And we can order that through doctor's data. 
we wait on, you know, three to four weeks post cleanse if someone has been positive to retest to check for that negative. And then it just depends on the individual of what their symptoms are. I often will add that to our comprehensive digestive stool analysis or CDSA panel. And that's the more thorough panel, which is upwards of $400 plus and looks at um, gut bacteria, both the good and bad, as well as inflammation in the gut, your malabsorption potentially going on, uh, various immune markers like secretory IgA, stress markers in the gut, as well as parasitology. And um, that's one that you can order on our website, actually. Uh, that price point, I think, is $5.95 because that includes the online email review with Becky or myself where we would actually give you a protocol based on your results. So if you're dealing with gastric stress, and uh, GI drama, that would be the one that we'd also look at calprotectin to assess for colitis or uh, ulcerative colitis or Crohn's disease, inflammatory bowel condition, and so much more. Um, and then maybe you would just do a repeat of just the stool test for H. pylori if that was found to be positive. Sure. Yep. Um, okay. Before we take a functional approach, let's just cover um, what's typically prescribed if you do get a positive in the conventional medical realm. Sure. And um, when we're looking at the conventional, it's often triple or double antibiotic therapy with an acid-reducing drug. Uh, so what we'll often see is that they'll use two different antibiotics so that in case there is antibiotic resistance, they're kind of going at bat with two different angles. And the idea is to get rid of 90% or greater of the H. pylori bacteria present. The antibiotics are taken at the same time for typically no more than two weeks length of time. And um, then the third drug that would be used in this triple therapy is an acid-reducing medication, which helps facilitate the stomach lining to mm -hmm. heal and also prevents um, you know, damage to the already tender tissue of the high-dose antibiotics. So often we'll see like tetracycline or amoxicillin, um, metronidiazole is a very common one as well as far as the antibiotic world. And then the um, acid-reducing medications would most commonly be a proton pump inhibitor, PPI like omeprazole or Prilosec or Prevacid. Um, and then also they could use potentially a histamine blocker or uh, bismuth subsiacylate like Pepto-Bismol. Sure. And so coating, protecting that lining of the stomach so it can heal. And there are certainly ways to do that in a functional approach, which we'll get in a second. But yes, obviously with any you know form of treatment, there's this cost benefit. Yes. So let's talk about that. Yeah. So, you know, the idea, I get the, the logic and theory of using two different antibiotics to ensure that you don't take the antibiotic uh, without outcomes and you get kind of, again, a dual approach and prevent against that potential resistance. However, you're also dually hitting the body with antibiotics. And we know that antibiotics can have many negatives and harmful side effects. And there are natural treatments that can provide just as clinical of outcomes outcomes, excuse me, outcomings, <laughs> just as clinical of outcomes in eradicating H. pylori as we can see with the antibiotic therapy, but without those negative side effects. So when we're looking at antibiotics, the concern is exacerbating that nausea that the individual was dealing with or their bloating or their GI stress. And so maybe now they're dealing with really, um, you know, uh, urgent bowels or chronic diarrhea. Uh, we could 
see dermatitis and skin conditions occurring from antibiotic use. We can see hives. We can see yeast overgrowth, both oral thrush and vaginal candida overgrowth. We can see shortness of breath and wheezing. And then in the fluoroquinolone um, family of antibiotics like ciprofloxacin, which is often used, uh, we can see a high susceptibility to tendon rupture. Uh, We have a whole episode on, it's called So You're on an Antibiotic, where we cover a lot of the harmful effects of antibiotic use. So, you know, we of course acknowledge their necessity in many spaces in conventional medicine, but our listeners who are more in the proactive, pro-vigilant, functional medicine world, you need to know that there are things that you can do to very successfully eradicate and battle H. pylori and uh, really move forward by testing negative for the infection. Totally. And without all of those lovely side effects. So yes. let's talk functional approach and kind of take it top down, addressing you know symptoms as well as actual getting to root cause and resolution. Yes. So anytime someone is dealing with like dyspepsia or uh, digestive issues, belching, bloating, you name it, I'm going to always recommend Digestate as the number one line of defense. So this is our digestive enzyme formula. As I mentioned again, when you're stressed, your digestive enzymes are suppressed. So for if you know you're going under a high stress demand, like a deadline for work, or even just getting the kids back into the routine after winter break, or something's going on interpersonally, Taking digestate is a great proactive defense as well as symptom manager because you're actually getting your whole suite of digestive enzymes so that you're breaking down your carbs, proteins, and fats. You're also going to get ox bile, which is going to aid in emulsifying and supporting bowel regularity as well as aiding in detoxification in the liver. And you're getting hydrochloric acid in here. And the HCL is what's going to regulate that acidity, which otherwise would buffer under the stress environment. So rather than going for the antacid, in times of digestive disturbance and heartburn and bloating and belching, I would always go for the digestate. And I would recommend using about two to three daily minimum. You might even double down and take two per meal if you need additional support and your food is sitting heavy and lethargic in the gut. Sure. And then using things like apple cider vinegar as um, kind of another way to naturally ramp up stomach acidity and promote that bile flow. So doing like a liver flush with a little ACV shooter. Yeah. And the malic acid in the apple cider vinegar plus the probiotic there are going to really serve as food for food as medicine in the sense that there is going to be some more immunological enhancement. And also we're going to get that proactive defense of the Saccharomyces boulardii, that yeast strain vinegar probiotic Mm -hmm. to defend against the pathogenic bacterial overgrowth. Sure. And now with this idea of ramping up acid though, would we want to be cautious if we have an active known infection, right? Um, We wouldn't want to go straight to apple cider vinegar and like pour that on an open wound if we are dealing with ulceration. Right, because just like that would hurt topically on a cut if you have a gastric ulcer, that's not going to be a good time for your stomach. So you would instead lead more with mucilaginous foods. Now, to be clear, I wouldn't do the ACV flush with active ulcer, Mm -hmm. but I would still do the digestate. Sure. Uh, The digestate, because it has that ox bile with the suite of the HCL and the enzymes, I feel is docile enough that it's not going to exacerbate an ulcer or create harm. In fact, it might support it in the sense that it's going to help that gastric pouch to make a better slurry or break down those foods. Food particles so that they're less abrasive in the gastric area. But for sure, 
I would hold on the ACV if dealing with active uh, gastritis or ulceration. And I would lead with mucilaginous foods. And then on the other end of the spectrum, if you don't have open ulcerations, you could still do both AC, mm-hmm. ACV and mucilaginous foods. So the mucilaginous foods are basically oopy goopy players that deliver um, compounds that can coat and protect the tissue to support the recovery process. So we're thinking of things like okra and seaweed. We're thinking of chia and flaxseed. Kudzu root would be another one um, that could be used that I use a lot with like oral ulcerations yeah. in the cancer care population. Um, but actually just breaking down, you could get the Eden brand. I'll link it in my Amazon store of kudzu root. We have a, a kudzu root pudding. Um, you can also just make a slurry with a half teaspoon of kudzu and water. And that could be taken. That won't be as harmful as like baking soda to buffer the pH but that will coat and protect in a way and that could be incorporated in smoothies and other ways in the diet yeah Um, and then our GI lining would be like the supplement um, to bring in for sure regardless of of end of the spectrum to protect um, that gut lining but can be really helpful with H. pylori in terms of soothing and coating and protecting and helping to heal those ulcers. So not just giving this PPI and hoping that they recover, right? But actually providing compounds that are going to help our gut to rebuild. Yes. And also, and that's what we see in the L-glutamine in there. So you're getting 3,500 milligrams or 3.5 grams of L-glutamine, which is an amino acid that works on our enterocytes, our gut cells, but also can help uh, with persistent gastritis and cell damage. Um, There have been many clinical studies on its protective uh, properties against mucosis uh, damage. And uh, we know that the L-glutamine can play a great role in tissue repair, which is amazing. And we can see this in reduced inflammatory markers, uh, which have been studied. Now, also the other ingredients in our GI lining support actually have been shown to be able to fight H. pylori infection. So here you're getting the mucilaginous oopy goopy of the aloe and the DGL or diglycerized licorice root. So both of those are coating protecting while the L-glutamine is repairing. But we've seen that licorice root actually um, can fight H. pylori. There was a 2009 study where um, it looked at licorice root that uh, doesn't directly kill the H. pylori bacteria, but it does help it from adhesing to the cell walls. So if you are treating it, that's going to help with eradication because it basically like creates a protective barrier beyond just coating the ulcer. It doesn't allow the H. pylori to adhese. And then the aloe actually has been shown to be effective in both inhibiting the growth and killing H. pylori strains, um, even in drug-resistant laboratory environment. So the aloe and licorice root combined with the L-glutamine in the GI lining would be a really big powerhouse. And this could be started prior to testing. This would not interfere with your test results, Mm -hmm. to be clear. Um, And this is something that I would say like one scoop twice daily. And then if dealing with a known infection during the treatment time, you'd ramp that up to at least three scoops, if not four scoops, to really coat and protect as you're kind of cleansing and uh, killing. Totally. And then what about the role of probiotics here? And, And is there any research Yeah. So, I mean, when we're looking at probiotics, we're thinking of that competitive inhibition, right? And so 
potentially doing a probiotic challenge could be, this is always like a gateway for assessing your digestive health, right? Um, you know, doing a probiotic challenge with the Restore Baseline Probiotic is a great way to assess if you're in a dysbiotic state um, or if you're in a sterilized state or a symbiotic state. So we can link our uh, YouTube video on our probiotic challenge and you can watch and learn what that all means um, and how you would dose appropriately. But you would likely, with H. pylori as an active infection, fail a probiotic challenge because of that dysbiotic environment. And we know that you know probiotics are associated with modulation of our immune system. They play a big role with accelerating gastric emptying. Um, they actually play a role with our stomach mucosal receptors. And we know that they play a dynamic role in our upper gastrointestinal area and of course play a role with our GALT, our gut-associated lymphatic tissue. And we've seen such compelling literature on probiotics and their efficacy. Um, we see upwards of 79% um, individuals that have been using probiotic supplementation in uh, randomized clinical trials, seeing reduction of symptoms of GERD, 45% uh, reducing uh, symptoms associated with reflux. Um, we've seen upwards of uh, five-fold reduction of H. pylori in individuals that have used probiotics. And we're looking at that lacto and bifido as the two most well-researched strains. But if treated with antibiotics in any time in the past year or so, we really would think of that rebuild spectrum probiotic to layer in there because, again, the antibiotics sterilize. They kill both the good and uh, bad bacteria. And we do need robust diversity of our microbiome because that diversity also plays a role with competitive inhibition and basically not allowing space as a defense to allow the, the bad bacteria, including H. pylori as a strain, to overgrow. Sure, that makes sense. Um, what about melatonin? I know we've talked about this in the context of GERD. Um, any reference um, in terms of H. pylori? Yeah, so I bring in melatonin often, especially if individuals are dealing with heartburn or are dealing with um, a known ulcer for mm -hmm. sure, uh, because we know that melatonin plays a role on gastric acid secretion, and it plays a big role in our, our LES, or our lower esophageal sphincter, aiding in um, that area to close so there's less backwash, if you will. Um, we know that our um, melatonin plays a big role as an antioxidant, and so it also has that dual approach of combating cancer. So I layer that in because it can help to fight against the risk of cancer with known infection. And then um, we also know that the GI tract is protected by melatonin um, from stressors and other irritants. Got it. Um, and then getting back to treatment specific to H. pylori, let's talk about what maybe a cleanse would look like yeah. or um, what compounds we would bring in that are different than beat the bloat. Yeah. So, you know, all of that stuff, digested, GI lining, and uh, melatonin, which would be in our sleep support formula, um, those three would be things that I would start with if an individual is dealing with nausea and um, potential gastritis or stomach ulceration. And then, of course, the probiotic challenge components. Those mm -hmm. are all like preliminary. So sure. maybe they're taking targeted strength and rebuild spectrum and then those other noted uh, supplements. If we have a known infection um, or we've have a positive test in the past and have it retested, I would right away go in with treatment. 
Um, and Brocco Detox would be one of those that we would use during a six-week cleanse, but extend beyond for at least a window of a year. Um, we've seen that H. pylori can um, play a big role, of course, with the gastritis world. And we do know that broccoli sprouts, um, the sulforaphane that is in the broccoli sprout is effective against H. pylori. Um, we've seen both in research on mice and in humans that broccoli sprout consumption can reduce gastric inflammation and it can lower the total bacteria colonization of H. pylori. Um, so this would be one that we would really bring in as a component to fight the bacteria as well as a provigilant protector. So this could be one if you're like traveling to Thailand mm -hmm. or like Mexico and um, even, you know, under high stress and you've been prone to dysbiosis in the past, that's one that, that I'd bring in like one twice daily as a baseline. And then um, that can be ramped up in the treatment to four a day would be used during the active treatment. And then using broccoli sprout, of course, in the diet would be something that would be of added benefit. Sure. Well, bonus points. Um, yes. What about berberine? So we use this obviously in our beat the bloat cleanse, but we know that berberine can be kind of a comprehensive antimicrobial as well. Yes. And there's been studies that looked at um, anti-heliobacter, um, H. pylori activity of berberine and barberry extracts. Um, and so barberry is actually in our um, GI reset formula and berberine would be in our berberine boost formula as well. And um, so our beat the bloat cleanse would be the starting foundation foundation for H. pylori treatment, and that includes berberine boost, herbal immune, uh, ultimate detox, and GI cleanup. Um, so the berberine, yes, both antiviral, antibacterial, uh, regulates the stomach acidity, and has been specifically tested for efficacy with H. pylori. Um, in the world of herbal immune, a lot of these compounds have been tested as well. Um, there's a study by Applied Environmental Microbiology called Inhibition of H. pylori and Associated uh, compounds by oregano and cranberry phytochemical synergies. And they looked at the combination of oregano and cranberry and found that superior in um, inhibiting H. pylori. Uh, so often, you know, if we're thinking of uh, phenolytic compounds, we're thinking of our herbal immune, which has not just oregano, but also has the thyme and the lemon balm in there and the sage. And thyme itself has also been tested for H. pylori activities as far as eradicating and fighting lemon balm has been shown protective for ulcerations and treatment outcomes and um, we can see that it has a gastroprotective effect against um, ulcers in um, uh, there's a rat study specifically with lemon balm um, but we've also seen in human studies combinations of again these these phenolytic compounds or antioxidants from essential oil based sure. plants essentially I feel like cranberry gelatin would be a good food as medicine for uh, getting the benefits of that plus the herbal immune Absolutely right. So taking the herbal immune would get you there, and then um, cranberry tart, cranberry juice would be in our food as medicine section. So doing like a spritzer of that sure. with green tea. We'll get to that. I got yep. a whole food yep. list, but yep. I think that that'd be a really beautiful one. And we have those uh, rooibos gummies as well oh, that yeah. I'm thinking of, which yep. you could add cranberry to that, and that'd be really totally. nice. Um, and then what about vitamin C? Yeah, vitamin C has really promising literature. Um, there were 60 patients with dyspepsic symptoms and proven chronic gastritis and H. pylori infection. And um, they were diagnosed through endoscopy. 
and they went into a treatment. Um, they were randomly uh, put into two different treatment groups. Uh, treat, gr- treatment group one was treated with antacids for four weeks, and group two received vitamin C at five grams daily for four weeks. And we saw in the outcomes that after the four weeks, in the control group, the H. pylori infection remained unchanged. So no change with the infection with the group that just did the antacid. But um, all of the group that did the vitamin C um, did have reduction. And um, there was actually, of the individuals that did the vitamin C, Eight of the 27 of them, 30% of them actually had complete eradication. All of them had measurable reduction of H. pylori levels. Um, So four weeks of high-dose vitamin C can have a pretty solid impact on H. pylori eradication. And this is something that we then layer into the protocol with the herbal immune and the berberine boost so that we get that trifecta of approach and the uh, Braco detox. So we're getting really four different players to battle. Um, vitamin C is really interesting because it's um, hostility and mechanism of action on H. pylori in peptic ulcers is classified in two different ways. Basically, it can um, serve as a biological antioxidant, of course, and an immune-boosting agent. So it's able to upregulate the body's natural defense when fighting an infection. Yes, and it acts as an inhibitor also of urease, which uh, urease is an enzyme that catalyzes the hydrolysis of urea. Excuse me. And this will build up and have a toxic effect on human cells from individuals that have various pathogenic bacteria overgrowth. So urease is a virulence factor, if you will, or a viral factor byproduct from infection. So the vitamin C is able to actually inhibit that breakdown, reducing toxicity, um, helping to reserve antioxidant status and contribute to antioxidant status, and then also playing a role in enhancing the overall immune process. Okay. And then you mentioned um, GI reset for that barberry um, extract as well. Yes. So uva ursi or barberry extract is in there, and then also wormwood is in there. And um, we think of artists... Artemisin, um, which is the wormwood ingredient, as an anti-malarial drug, um, but this is also demonstrated remarkably strong activity against H. pylori, um, and uh, we have seen various clinical studies that demonstrate this. So, adding in the GI reset is a great approach that I typically do during a six-week protocol um, in which you're doing like the beat the bloat cleanse the whole way through and then we layer in the GI reset um, like at weeks one through two and a half for a day two at breakfast two at midday to kind of kick things off and then I'll often layer on the heels as that GI reset bottle empties out extra vitamin C so an extra two and a half to upwards of four grams addition of vitamin C. And I have you on the Bio C Plus at two capsules the whole way through. So you could either up your capsules from those two capsules up to six capsules during that time or layer in a scoop of like a buffered C powder. And those are the two variables that I make um, on top of the classic six-week cleanse. So the berberine boost is, you know, four a day or two twice daily. The herbal immune, I tend to up one from our typical gut cleanse to three daily throughout this process the GI cleanup, one at rise, one at bed, and I keep you on that dose the whole way through. So you go through two bottles of GI cleanup, the rebuild spectrum probiotic, we keep you on during that time. 
Um, I kind of toggle between the Ultimate Detox and Detox Packs. So you would take the Ultimate Detox at Rise and Rest or a Detox Pack at Rise and two Ultimate Detox at Bed. Um, something like that would work really well during the kind of active protocol. And then again, the Brocco Detox would go up to four per day during the active cleanse and then stay at that one twice daily as more of the maintenance, if you will. Got it. And you said for like a year post? Of the Brocco okay. Detox for sure. Got it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and then what about other compounds um, that have shown efficacy that we could bring in either as food as medicine or additional layers of supplementation? Yeah, the last one I'll note in supplementation is curcuminoids. Um, so layering in super turmeric. Um, and there's been solid studies on curcumin on H. pylori infection as well. Um, you know, it has biological and pharmaceutical effects. And in the world of H. pylori infection, um, we've seen repeatedly confirmed both in animal and human studies the ability of curcuminoids to actually reduce and kill off H. pylori. Um, we've seen effects, of course, on curcuminoids of reducing lipid peroxidase, um, myeloperoxidase, which we also do assess. We think of those as heart disease markers, but we also think of these as assessments of pathogenic bacteria byproduct um, or increase from infection. Um, so often if we can't troubleshoot that beyond bringing in the antioxidant, we wonder, is there an infection underlying going on? Um, we also have seen the urease activity go down with use of curcuminoids and the total number of colonized bacteria, the levels of H. pylori. Um, we see the ability of turmeric to also break into those biofilms and um, play a big role in our interleukins or our um, inflammatory mediators that respond to fight against infection. Um, so this is one that I would also bring in throughout the entire cleanse. And generally speaking, I'll have super turmeric at one twice daily, and then that one can be increased if dealing with die-off or sure. herxima reaction from the cleanse where you need some ache and pain or headache support. Totally. And, and you know, many of these have multi-mechanistic support. We just did a whole episode on turmeric and its other benefits. So, yes. you know, could be really helpful in that sense as well. Yes, and especially if you're dealing with, again, a gastric bleed, you definitely don't want to turn right, to an NSAID, right. God forbid, you know, if dealing with aches and pains or a headache from a cleanse, because we know that NSAIDs can drive gastric bleeding. So that would be very counterintuitive. Okay. And then what about just some food as medicine? Anything to avoid and anything important to incorporate? Sure. So in the word, world of avoid, I would follow the Beat the Bloat ebook protocol sure. you know so during those six weeks we highly recommend staying within 60 grams of carbs per day eliminating grains because they can be adhesive and sticky if you will and also they tend to be um, you know more proliferative to bacterial overgrowth so we pull out all grains um, and we keep it at 60 grams of carbs per day um, option of bringing in legumes at the tail end of the cleanse if desired um, but otherwise really getting those 60 grams from like one starchy veg choice one fruit choice daily um, and would be best to do fruit choices that are high in tannins and vitamin C sure. yeah, so yeah. like your berries only and or citrus yep. would be kind of the things that I would limit that to in the diet and then getting protein of course at all meals and meeting at minimum 80 grams of protein a day you want to be a little higher protein than that that lower 60 gram minimum because you're in a repair and fight mode and you need those um, amino acids to help the body to make antibodies to the antigens um, and so we want to go higher protein at least 80 grams a day in protein at all meals um, for men they'd be wanting to hit like 140 upwards of in the world of protein intake 
Um, and then we're looking at leafy, uh, well, let's go into the abundance food is medicine. Sure, maybe. Yeah, Anything yeah. else that I didn't mention to avoid alcohol would be something that yep. we'd want to avoid at least for certain during the tight first three weeks. And then you could potentially, if need be, but you'd want to up your GI lining and detox packs. Best would be to eliminate alcohol during the whole six-week cleanse. Um, and then, of course, refined sugars and yep. sweetened foods, as well as non-caloric sweeteners, which can cause a lot of upper intestinal bacterial imbalance. Yes. Okay, and what about things to focus on? So you mentioned leafy greens. Yes, so leafy greens would be a great one. Um, we've talked about how leafy greens can actually prevent against pathogenic bacterial overgrowth and support good gut bacteria balance. Also, walnuts would be a great one. Um, the polyphenol extracts in walnuts directly do inhibit H. pylori, so there is that black walnut in the GI reset. But consuming, you know, a third cup of walnuts a couple days a week or four to five days a week would be really beneficial um, because that would be a great way to further support that eradication or die off. Green tea would be another really good go-to here. Um, there's been a couple studies out there that show that green tea can help to kill and slow the growth of H. pylori. Um, you'd want to look at about you know three cups daily, and matcha would be great because you're getting more concentrate of the green tea itself. Um, so that would be something to incorporate a couple times daily. And maybe a good vehicle for honey, another food as medicine add-in. Um, there are antibacterial abilities in honey to fight against H. pylori. And um, this could be one that could help to support infection and also be very soothing on ulceration if that was going on. Uh, a good quality cold-pressed olive oil, extra virgin olive oil, would be a great thing to add into the diet. There was a study in 2007 that showed that olive oil has strong antibacterial abilities against eight different H. pylori strains. Um, so you're getting a lot of broad support there. And many of those strains, three of those eight that the olive oil showed effective at fighting actually were antibacteria resistant strains. So those would be ones that the RX, uh, the medications wouldn't work on, but the olive oil would. Okay, so let's go ahead and just summarize kind of the lifestyle and diet support. Um, and I also wanted to ask about any um, like oral agents or, I don't know, mouthwash. I'm thinking colloidal silver yes. spray could be effective here. Right. Uh, so I think that's a great thing to bring up. So absolutely, oral rinses and uh, washes would be fabulous. So gargling with perio wash, I can link that from my Amazon store. That's the one that has the tea tree oil in there and um, the CoQ10, but it does have olive oil extract and other antimicrobials in there. Um, oil of oregano is in there as well. Uh, colloidal silver as a gargle and also as a nasal because it's going to go down the nasal pharynx um, and uh, that one's going to kind of drip into the area of focus. Uh, we could also do colloidal silver at 10 parts per million doing like 30 ppm in a little bit of salt water and gargling that mm -hmm. back as well. Um, and then of course the ACV shooter in the morning would be one. Another one that I think of with like children and adults and another reason, cause I've been talking about this throughout the entire pandemic, but I swear we have, we should like get stock in this, uh, is the X clear. Um, and so it's actually no C it's X L E A R X clear. And, um, this is the xylitol and saline spray with a little bit of grapefruit seed extract.
extract. Um, so this is one that keeps nasal passages moistened, but there have been clinical studies done on bacterial infection and that xylitol as an antibacterial is a really great way to support uh, reduced infection, um, both of upper intestinal bacterial overgrowth, as well as viral infection um, from respiratory virus. So we're looking at, you know, um, the xylitol has actually been shown in studies to reduce H. pylori levels. Um, and so that, of course, in turn then reduces risk for gastric ulcers and duodenal ulcers and stomach cancers and such. Um, and this is something that can be done pre and post uh, going into crowds in sure. the world of respiratory virus. But as far as H. pylori, if you have kids in the household, you know, and maybe they're not symptomatic yet, I would still go ahead and proactively do the whole six-week cleanse with your partner who, mm-hmm. you know, lives with you and, you know, you're switch, swap and spit and all the things. Um, but for the kids, I would say most definitely ensure that they are on a quality probiotic like our kids' biotic as a good host defense and ideally also on the kids' um, multi-avail kids because that's a good multivitamin giving them zinc and um, other minerals of need and of course methylated B vitamins and good such. And um, I would bring in that X-Clear spray like like every day likely you know a couple maybe once a day as a passive if they're not symptomatic again and then I'd bring in the bio c plus with raw honey so that they're getting that vitamin c and raw honey to kill things off and maybe even including a capsule of rebuild spectrum probiotic um, about three times a week mixed with that bio c plus so they get that more broad spectrum and then of course the food is medicine supportive the walnuts the olive oil the green tea the bone broth especially if you could do higher garlic in your bone broth added benefit there too Totally. So all of that in terms of household prevention, I think would apply to, you know, children from a very young age. Plus you're going to get the added bonus if you're doing that nasal rinse, like after school, they're less likely to come home with like all of the gunk and illness that is just rampant, you know, when we send our kiddos off to school. Yes. Any form, um, you know, moving that mucosal phlegm is going to be huge because that means less time for the immune system to have to battle. And I keep explaining that, like, even if we're thinking of allergens, guys, Mm -hmm. Moving out the antigen means your immune system has to make less histamine, which means less inflammation in your headspace, less pressure, less all of the things. So yes, I think that oral and nasal hygiene is really key to get through um, this cold flu and viral season and an added benefit that it helps with the gut bacteria balance and can fight against H. pylori. Totally worth the extra minute or two that it takes. Yes. So tons of information here in today's episode. Uh, We will be sure to post in the show notes, of course, the summary for lifestyle and diet support, as well as the supplement protocol and link all of the formulas discussed. We hope that you have learned something and feel empowered on taking on H. pylori yourself. And um, as always, we are honored to be one of your wellness resources. If you enjoyed today's episode, go on over to wherever you're listening and leave us a five-star review with a sentence or two of what you're loving about the Naturally Nourished podcast and go on over to AllieMillerRD.com where you can grab our 12-week food as medicine ketosis meal plan as well as maybe snag a spot for you and a girlfriend in our upcoming wellness retreat. Thank you for listening to the Naturally Nourished podcast. Visit our blog at AllieMillerRD.com for recipes, 
wellness tips, and food as medicine meal plans. Connect with Allie and Becky at Allie Miller RD on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Until next time, stay.